Um, we're in the middle of a, a series uh, on relationships. And um, uh, just to say, I wasn't here last Sunday. I was in Norway. Uh, but I watched the video of Andy's talk on YouTube. And uh, I want to suggest, if you missed it, please watch it. It was fantastic. Just some great, great teaching on identity. And you can find it, as Andy said, on our Soul Survivor Watford YouTube channel. And uh, it's one not to be missed. And uh, what we're going to do uh, today is um, going to look at friendship and uh, uh, f- f- what friendship is. And some of it will seem to overlap with the talk I did uh, two weeks ago on um, singleness and celibacy. Uh, but I just want to say this isn't, this isn't a talk for single people. Uh, the other one was this one is for everyone. Uh, because mar- a good marriage is based on friendship. And uh, whether you're married or single or whatever state you are, uh, this, is, this is key. This is key for all of us. This is not for some of us. And uh, um, um, I was, I was going to talk um, on, on friendship from uh, Ruth and Naomi, that wonderful story. Um, and uh, the story of how Ruth and Naomi, um, uh, the, the, the story of uh, the only time in history where uh, a daughter-in-law has wanted to be close to her mother-in-law. And uh, where she said to Naomi, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. And where you die, I will die. And that's the basis of friendship. I was going to talk on that, but Andy did that talk uh, already on friendship. And then I thought I'd talk on David and Jonathan, that wonderful friendship between two strong guys um, who, who preferred one another and who served one another. But Andy also did a talk on friendship on David and Jonathan. So I've run out of options. So I'm afraid I'm going to have to base this talk on friendship on Jesus. And uh, look at how Jesus uh, spoke about friendship and uh, did friendship. And uh, just before I start, I want to say one thing. Uh, uh, um, none of us None of us can have close friendships with everyone. No one can have close friendships with everyone. But everyone can have a close friendship with someone. Uh, And that's how it works. Uh, For Jesus, he loved the whole world. He loved everyone. But in his humanity, there was only 24 hours in his day. And some of that time he needed to sleep. So he had a particular relationship. It wasn't that he loved others less with the 72, the wider group of disciples. Uh, And then within the 72, he seemed to have a particular uh, commitment to and friendship with the 12. And within the 12, you see there were times when he hung out with the three, with Peter, James and John. And he'd often take them up a mountain or into the desert or or have a conversation with them on their own. And, the, and then within the three, uh, there was particularly um, with, uh, with, with Peter and with John, he seemed to have a particular relationship with. And so even for Jesus, there was degrees of friendship. He couldn't be best friends with everybody. And so we all can with some. And we're all meant to with some. And if we're going to begin with Jesus, I want to read some great words that he said from John 15, 
beginning at verse 9. Jesus says this, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my... Now, do you know that bit? As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Do you know what? You, we, we could do a whole conference just on that line. Just, just stop and think about... Sometimes it's so rich that you just want to take time over some of it. Uh, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands <clears throat> and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. That's a fantastic uh, uh, passage. There's so much in that, more than I could ever uh, hope to bring out in a shortish talk. Uh, but there's, there's so much, there's so much there uh, that we can look at. And... Um, Here's a few things. If Jesus is our example, Jesus told us to love one another as he loved us. And then he gave the, way, the clue away. Greater love has no one than this, than they lay down their life for their friends. That's what he did. And do you know what? The, the most amazing thing is he calls us his friends. Our creator, our creator, our, our king, our lord, our savior, he calls us friends. He did it so that we might be friends with him. And I no longer call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. He said, I've called you friends, for I've kept nothing from you. Everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. I have kept nothing from you. It's staggering. It's staggering. He wants to be your friend. And he defines friendship. How does he do that? First of all, he, cho he chose his friends. He chose them. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And how do we do friendship? Well, first of all, we choose. You can't choose your family. You're stuck with them, but you can choose your friends. And how do we choose I think, first of all, there's a spiritual element. Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord to show you. Ask the Lord because there are some people that you might think on faith at first sight, never in a million years, and, and especially in a church. Do you know what? If, if this was a tennis club, then it would be easier because we're all interested in tennis. Or if this was a squash club, it would be easier because we all have an affinity for squash. Or if this was a Weight Watchers club, 
um, we, would, we would have a basis for friendship because we all love food and, and, and so on. But in a church, I mean, it's like, it's like all sorts of weird and wonderful people. I mean, I look out at you and I think most of you, what on earth? What on earth would make me want to be friends with you? I mean, you're just so, you're so different to me. And especially at the 4.30 congregation. The 9 a.m. and the 11.30 and even the 7. But, but, but here, you see many of you, many of you, your taste in music is horrible. It's utterly, utterly, utterly disgusting. And I'm thinking, why would I want to be friends with people who like lyrics that, that just say things like, you're hot, I fancy you, have sex with me. You know, what? what is, there's no depth, there's no anything. Why would, why would I want, and you see there's, there's, there's so, and yet, and yet, despite your bad taste in music, to my amazement, with some of you, we could have a friendship. We could, something could click. That it's like, wow. And, and sometimes the Lord gives us friendships with people who we would never, their politics will be the opposite to ours. Their, 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 their way of looking at life might be, and yet there's something amazing. So the first one is, ask the Lord. Ask the Lord to show you. The second one is, that's the spiritual one. The other one, which is um, not so spiritual, uh, is common sense. Um, actually, actually, just, just use your common sense. And part of the common sense is, um, who, who do I click with? You know, who do I... It helps to be friends with people if you like them. I have worked it out. If you like them, if you have stuff, it really, really helps. And, 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 that's, and that's valid. There's nothing wrong with that. And so you build a friendship in that way. And so you make a choice. You make a choice. And then when you choose, you go for it. You, you decide, I'm going, I'm going to start a friendship with this person. Don't wait for them to do it to you. You do it to them. And uh, how, how did Jesus love? How did Jesus do friendship? He was vulnerable with the disciples. They weren't just his disciples. As he said, they were his friends. And, and the heart of friendship is vulnerability. It's, it's choosing to disclose what's really going on in your heart and in your life. And you know, Jesus, the amazing thing for me about Jesus is not that he wept at Lazarus' tomb, but that he let them see him weeping. It's not that he wept over Jerusalem, but they watched him weep over Jerusalem. It's not that he agonized in the Garden of Gethsemane and sweated blood and said, take this cup from me, Father, nevertheless not my will but yours be done. It was the fact that they were there when he went through the agony. And then, of course, there was the ultimate vulnerability of the cross. And especially guys in our British culture, we're, we're getting better, but we're not naturally that good at that. And it's the basis of friendship. When you find that people know your deepest secrets, a few people know, and they're still there, it's amazing what that does. It's amazing what that does.
So, vulnerability. But when you get vulnerable, you'll get hurt. It's an absolute foregone conclusion. If you get in any close friendship, you will get hurt. And Jesus was. Jesus was. You know, he chose Judas, and look what happened. He chose all the others, and look what happened. You know, and so the second thing that Jesus did that we need to do is not close off and back off and say goodbye. It's we need to forgive. And Jesus said, forgive. And he even gave us a mathematical equation to tell us how many times we should forgive. 70 times 7, which I, I've forgotten what the number is, but it's something big. And, uh, and, and probably a bit more. And, and forgiveness is, 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 is central to any close friendship. I don't know about you, but people I hardly know, people I'm not friends with, they don't really hurt me. You know, they don't, it doesn't hurt when they come and they say, you know, Mike, your hair looks ridiculous. I think, well, what do you know? That's your opinion. You stay with it. But if someone close to me, they're the ones that can hurt me. They're the ones because what they think and feel and what they do really matters. And that's where I have to step in and forgive. And so often what we do when we get really badly hurt, and it's a natural human reaction, it's a human defense mechanism, is we back off emotionally. Even when we've kind of forgiven, it's like, and we say, I'm never going to let that person do that to me again. I'm, no, 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 that, that person, I'll, I, won't, I won't give them my heart again. And, and, and actually, you know, we have to lay that down. We have to lay that down because there's nothing more wonderful. There is nothing more fantastic than, than, than when you have a reconciliation with someone. You know, the, the friendship ends up deeper. It's amazing. When you truly from the heart, because what happens is you value, you're saying to each other, we value our relationship more than nursing the grievance. We value what is between us so much that we will get over it. And you know, when you get to that place, there's a depth that comes that is utterly amazing. Jesus, he served the disciples. So he, was, he chose them. He was vulnerable. I'm just saying this so that you know where I'm going. He was vulnerable. He forgave them. And then he served them. He served them. There's that passage, wonderful passage in John chapter 13, where it says that Jesus, knowing where he had come from and knowing where he was going, he took a towel and he washed the disciples' feet. And that's why this talk is linked with last week's talk on identity. Because Jesus knew who he was, he could love in a servant-hearted way. And, and, and the thing about serving is we think of it as, as being this big thing we do once or twice. When actually, true serving in friendship is, is, is in the mundane. It's in the everyday it's harder to make the little sacrifices regularly than the big sacrifices occasionally. It really is. It really is. And, and for Jesus, 
You know, in those days, we, we think, oh my goodness, what a great illustration he gave. He didn't do it as thinking, mm, I'll do this as an illustration. You know, the disciples, at the end of every day, um, uh, people's feet would be dirty, walking in the Judean hills and in the deserts and around the place. Their feet would get dirty. And so, uh, it would be the lowest servant. It would be the, 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 the most junior servant's job to wash everyone else's feet. And it would be the servant who, you know, hadn't finished their three-month probationary period. You know, the servant that was like, are we going to keep them on or not? And the disciples at the end of the day, they were kind of looking tense. I, I, I may not be number one disciple, but I do not want to officially be number 12. And Jesus, knowing what they were thinking, he took the towel and he took a bowl and he washed their feet. And he washed their feet. And it was a mundane thing. It was a mundane thing. It was an everyday thing. And he took that position out of love. He chose it. He chose it. And, and daily serving. And you know, sometimes the serving is spontaneous. But sometimes uh, with our friends, um, it actually helps to think through in advance, what, what can I offer this friendship? What can I give to this friendship? And I, I've, had to do, I've done that. I've done that. I've thought it through. What, what is it that I can add to the, my, my friends, to my close friends? What can I offer them? And I know what I can offer, and I know what I can't offer. And one of the things, absolutely, I will never, ever offer, I can't offer, is help with DIY. It's never going to happen. Because it's my friends. I have Beth Croft popping round to my house to put pictures up on the wall because I have no clue how to do it and to screw things on and to take things off. And it's like DIY is not where I can be a blessing. But there are areas where I can and I know what they are. And so I commit. I commit to my, my role in a friendship by giving in that area. And sometimes, you know what? It's when we love enough to plan. To, to, we love people enough to plan how we can bless them. To plan how we can, um, how we can serve them. So he, was, he chose them. He was vulnerable. He forgave. He served. He spoke truth to them. This is a big one. He spoke truth to them. And uh, he, he encouraged them, and he rebuked them, and he was like, really? You know, and, and sometimes he did it one after the other. And um, I, I don't know if you've... There's one verse in the Bible that I think is the most misquoted and misused verse in the whole of the Scripture. It's something that Paul said, and he said, speak the truth in love. And I don't know about you... But I have over the years, when I've had someone make a beeline for me and start the conversation with, I say this in love, I know that I am to duck because the verbal equivalent of an Exocet missile or a cruise missile is going to blast me out of the ground. It, is, it does not mean 
speak the truth in love is not by saying it as a mantra, I can say whatever I want to you to get it off my chest so that I feel better. You don't speak the truth so you feel better. You speak the truth so that they are better because you love them, because you want their blessing. If you're not, if you're not saying it in, in, because you think it's the best for them, don't say it. Don't say it. And, 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 and so often we take that, that, that saying as a negative. But actually, most of the time it should be a positive. Speak the positive truth in love. And I'm not talking about patronizing and lying. I'm not talking about how to win friends and influence people. People can see through that. But if it really is the truth and it's a positive thing, say it. People flourish under encouragement. People change under encouragement. People grow. People gain confidence. And we don't do it enough. I remember um, David Pitches. David and Mary are like my spiritual mum and dad. And they've got four daughters. And they brought up their four daughters to be great girls with character. And uh, they have got character, all of them. And, and with, um, with all sorts of... You know, with all sorts of gifts and that. And I remember years ago, I was sitting with David. And I said to him, I said, David, tell me, how did you manage to bring up four daughters so well? What's the secret? And he looked around and he leant over to me like it was a conspiracy. And he just whispered to me, selective hearing. (laughs) And I loved that. Because what he was saying was, I, would, I won't say to my daughters straight away, necessarily, because I know that now is not the time they can receive this. And I'll wait. I will pretend not to notice until they're ready to receive it. Because I don't want to discourage them. I want to help them. And I, that stayed with me. That stayed with me. And sometimes speaking the truth in love is shutting your mouth. Sometimes. And uh, there's a, I always forget it, an acronym, no, an acronym, I got it, third attempt today, that I I love, that I find really helpful. Before you speak, think. T, is it true? H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? N, is it necessary? And K, is it kind? And if it's not all of those things, shut your mouth. You know, is it true? Don't, don't, don't soft soap people with, you know, it's like, no, I won't make a joke. Um, you know, say if it's, if it's true, not a good joke. I'm, I'm learning. Uh, is it helpful to the person? Is it inspiring to them? Will it, will it crush them or will it, will it encourage them? Is it necessary? Do you need to say it now? And finally, it should always be kind. It should always be kind. And when we do that, whether it's with our children, whether it's with our parents, whether it's with our friends, whether it's with our spouse, it's such great advice. And Jesus, he grew his disciples into his friends by speaking truth to them. Jesus was committed to them and he was loyal. He was committed. He loved them to the end, including Judas. 
He loved Judas to the end. You know what? There was no point where he said to one of them, hey, hey, you've crossed a line now. Sorry, that's it. Off you go. Even Judas. He was committed and he was loyal. He stayed there. He stayed there. And that's the basis of true friendship. True friendship is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with you through thick and thin. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to stay there, whatever, when everyone else, when everyone else um, walks out, I'm staying here. I've got some friends that will tell me the truth to my face, always tell me the truth to my face, but they will always defend me behind my back. And I know they do because I sometimes hear about it from others. Even people who say, well, I, I, went to, <laughs> I went to Andy and I, I, I was annoyed with you. So I said to him, and then I got, the, you know, I, I got told, I got put in my place. And it's like, and we all need friends who will speak the truth to our face, but defend us behind our back. And who will stand with us and who will be loyal. There's something wonderful about loyalty. There's something that when you know my word, my word, I can trust you. And the, and the, the other bit I need to say that is part of this is, is, guys, commitment and loyalty involves, involves keeping secrets. It involves keeping secrets. And there is nothing more destructive to a friendship or a friendship group than gossip. And nobody starts gossip with the intention of, of, of ruining a friendship group. But it's, sometimes it's, well, I'll, I'll tell you because it makes me look like I'm in. Or I'll tell you because I, I, I want you and I to be friends, so I will pass this on. You know, there are things that I know about my close friends that will go with me to my grave. There are certain things that I know no one will ever hear them from me. You know, I mean, some of my friends have told me their darkest secrets, their secret sins, the things that they are secretly ashamed of. I mean, horrible things. Some of my friends have told me terrible things that they have thought and that they have done in the secret place. And I'm never going to repeat that. However awful it is, however disgusting it is, you'll never catch me repeating it. In fact, I won't even hint at it. You won't even, you won't even get a hint from me that I know stuff. That's friendship. That's a joke. Because <laughs> he's worried. Um, <laughs> um, do you know what? And, 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 and it is. It's, it's, you know, the Bible tells us gossip is so destructive. It's so, be a friend who can be trusted. Be a friend. And in a friendship group, when, when we tell each other everyone else's business, it just, it, it breaks trust. It really breaks trust, and, it, and it's not good. Anyway, I've said that. Um, 
Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. That's what Paul says to the Romans. Friends do that. Friends care for those that they love. So when, when you see people you love, when they're doing well, you, you, you join the party. You join the party with joy and you, you celebrate them. You celebrate them. It's the most wonderful thing to celebrate your friends. And when they're going through agony, you, you, you weep with them. You're brokenhearted with them. You, you agonize with them. And do you know what? It, it's just a... It, and when you're in that place, you know, sometimes when you're in the pit, sometimes when it's maybe even your fault, you've made some mistakes, and you've got friends who in that lonely, otherwise lonely place sit with you, sit with you in the dark, sit with you when no one else is there. Do you know what that does? It comforts you. It comforts you. It restores you. It builds you up. I want to finish with something that a lot of you won't like, and I don't frankly care that you won't like this. Over the last few weeks, uh, I, I, I listen to music every now and then, and I listen to music from when music was proper music, not this rubbish. And it was from the 60s and 70s, when it had melodies and it had lyrics. And uh, uh, over the last couple of weeks, I've had on repeat Simon and Garfunkel's Bridge Over Troubled Water. It is, frankly, a masterpiece. And I can already see it. I told the 9 a.m. and I told the 11.30 that when I said that here, some of you would start rolling your eyes to each other. Well, that's because you're arrogant snobs. <laughs> I was going to punish you by playing it, but I just couldn't bear to see you ruin a great song by sniggering. And I tell you, uh, I was watching the other day, there's this about, it's about 10 minute YouTube clip of Paul Simon, who I, was a genius, is a utter genius, talking about how he wrote Bridge Over Troubled Water. And it starts with him. And, and the thing about Paul Simon is the drummer's leaving. <laughs> you need to listen to this. This might do you good. <laughs> Philistine. And... and and, and Paul Simon saying uh, about <laughs> Paul Simon saying uh, uh, about how he wrote it, and and he was listening to, to a gospel group, and there was a little phrase from the gospel group, and he decided, I'm going to write a song in the genre of gospel music, and I don't understand genre, I don't understand music, so I just know what I like and what I don't like, but he said I'm going to write, and and he has written. This, this Hungarian Jew is such a flipping genius. He's written the genre, genre of African genre, of African music. I mean, Graceland, if you haven't got that album, flipping get it. Uh, he's written in the genre of loads of different styles of music. And he decided he would write um, Bridge Over Troubled Water. So he started writing it, and he wrote the first two verses, and he thought that was the song. And then he played it to Art Garfunkel. And Art Garfunkel said, and you have him on the YouTube clip, 
saying, I love it, but it needs a third verse. And Paul said, no, I don't think so. And Art Art Garfunkel said, no, definitely, it needs a crescendo. So Paul said, so I went and wrote it. And then the producer, a guy called Hal someone, um, uh, he said, no, I think it needs to do this. I think we need to adjust that. And then uh, their, their keyboard player wrote the piano part, and most of the song is on piano, stunning. And then even the drummer got involved. Even their drummer, and I mean, it it has to be a collaboration. It has to be a lot of mutual trust between people when you let a drummer get involved in writing a song. And and so they all got together and and they wrote this song. And I want to come into land by indulging myself. And I want to read you this song. I want to read you the lyrics. Please listen. And he got it. You know, he got the key line. The key line, which is, I will lay me down from the words of Jesus. Greater love has no one than this, than they lay down their life for their friends. Listen to this. When you're weary, feeling small, when tears are in your eyes, I will dry them all. He does that extra bit. I'm on your side. Oh, when times get rough and friends just can't be found, like a bridge over troubled water, I will lay me down. Like a bridge over troubled water, I will lay me down. When you're down and out, when you're on the street, When evening falls so hard, I will comfort you. I'll take your part. Oh, when darkness comes and pain is all around, like a bridge over troubled water, I will lay me down. Like a bridge over troubled water, I will lay me down. Sail on, silver girl, sail on by. Your time has come to shine. All your dreams are on their way. See how they shine. Oh, if you need a friend, I'm sailing right behind. Like a bridge over troubled water, I will ease your mind. Like a bridge over troubled water, I will ease your mind. Stunning. Stunning. That's the message of Jesus. And that is our inheritance in the church. So, if you're a married couple, your first friendship is with each other. But if you're a married couple and you don't have any other friends, Flipping, get some other friends. If you're, if you're, whoever you are in the church, as the as it's a command of Jesus, it's a he he is our friend, and he wants us to love each other as he loves us, and that's and that's our inheritance. So don't wait for others to come to you. Just decide, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out. 
I'm going to lay me down. I'm going to lay my fear of rejection down. Big one. I'm going to lay my, my, my fear that my time might get consumed or my energies might get consumed or that I might get hurt. Big one. I'm going to lay these things down because I'm going to be, as worship to Jesus, the best friend that I can be. No one can be friends with everyone. But everyone can be friends with someone. And that's what we want to be as a church.